Welcome to Tail Time Podcast, the podcast. <laughs> the podcast where we read your stories here in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, stranded after a plane crash on a raft, and constructed with some terror, a dash of ingenuity, and a plethora of chest hair. The one thing we did save from the plane was the turnstile table. So yeah. thank you for grabbing that on the way down. <laughs> There's barely enough room for any of us. Jake is on the side of the raft clutching on. But I mean, as long as the turnstile table I'm is I'm actually still. fishing, yeah. clutching uh, a fish for yeah. you to eat. He's so. rage swimming. Oh, I'm, Maybe you I don't want to eat, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. You don't need, you don't need to He's eat. He's soaking his own feet in water for days. To I'm, attract the fish. The raw <laughs> melting flesh. <laughs> That's right. They did burn in the in the crash. This the swollenness of the sea salt, you know. Well, it hasn't done anything. We haven't gotten bone. The only thing we've had we've had to eat is the scales from your feet that we've just like pried off. Yeah, that's calcium, right? Um, well, we did manage to fit the podcast <laughs> equipment on the raft as well, so thank God. And that is I will bring you another story for this week. We uh, harnessed we, we harnessed a lightning bolt for electricity. But we are your hosts. I am Andrew Bruning. To the left of me is a man who thought the airplane's radio dials were the autopilot controls, Jacob Bransky. And to the right of me is a man with an obscene amount of chest hair, Dan Palmer. That's the truth. It is true. I I'm I'm still amazed by how you fashion this raft together. Chest hair is 10 times stronger than steel per weight unit. <laughs> he would know he's an Eagle Scout. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. That's right. You were the poster boy for the Boy Scouts. I didn't even yeah. know they taught this kind of thing there. Oh. Utilizing all, all kind of chest hair and body hair and who knew? Jack Sparrow knew. Our fourth I, uh, host, Jeffrey, is currently under the boat, um, attempting to catch lunch with three Cheez-Its and a paperclip fashioned into a fish hook. Um, yeah, good luck to him. He made some bubbles five minutes ago. He's good. I think he's all right. He comes yeah. up every now and then for air. Yeah. Yeah. He always pulls through, so. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny when that shark was chasing him and we were like, <laughs> we were rowing away. I was chasing It's fine. Yeah, before, before we get started, we would like to thank a few people for their help with this podcast. Uh, the book pace and method piano pace and method teaches creativity matthew haydocky the very talented graphic artist over at tpublic.com and nick palmer the very talented everyman at parablemedia.format.com yeah so i thought um since we're stuck here for a little bit boys sweltering in the atlantic sun with nothing really to do but slowly starve to death we could talk about our sense of community community within our modern world does I definitely community... thought you were going to say, Google, how best to cook human <laughs> Does this community <laughs> here have some sunscreen because I'm feeling a little bit burnt? <laughs> All right. Well, um, if you want to move over the turnstile table a little bit, maybe we can, uh, you know, form a little <laughs> community. Oh, there we <laughs> I didn't know they made that noise. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, you turnstile it, it away? Like... Pull it back. Wow. It's yeah. Light as a feather. Right. Piers. Wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what do we think of next? It seems that you've suffered a little bit of sunstroke as well, my friend. Hey. So. <laughs> In an hour, Dan's going to start looking like a duck. You ever see those old yeah. cartoons, like the Mirage? Yeah, yeah. What's wrong, guys? Make a duck face right now. You're not helping your cause. <laughs> Sitting like a duck with the duck face out is only making me more hungry. I'm just trying to lay my... Ing egg. <laughs> <laughs> so we can eat, damn it. God, I hope Jeff oh, comes back with that fish. Noise. <laughs> yes. That is the best. I All love right. that. It's a lot better than my dolphin. 
than my dolphin uh, noise. No, don't make that noise because then Jeff's going to think there's a dolphin out there and you start looking for a dolphin. It's going <laughs> to spiral. Keep going, bud. Looking good. You're going to tire that shark out soon enough. <laughs> or are we still going away from Jeff? I didn't know that. Okay. I didn't know you guys <laughs> are still like paddling. Oh, yeah. He's like, Deep sea fishing. Yeah. He's like Wilson, though. He'll come back. Wilson came back, right? Wilson doesn't come back. Yeah, I don't think Wilson goes back. I'm sorry. Well, Jeff will make it back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's a little bit well, more. <laughs> Jeffrey! Jeffrey! <laughs> we just see a, a freight liner just pass us. <laughs> Jeff's like, hey, guys. <laughs> Are we he's all saying... delirious right now? <laughs> Have you been drinking the salt water? I told you not to do that. I You blow on it for 30 minutes, and then it gets salt away. I don't know. That's what I... What? Red? Oh I don't know. You didn't stop me. You saw me do it. You did. I thought you were going to say... If you take a sea urchin, mm -hmm. just one of their little uh, needles there, and you drink water through it, <laughs> <laughs> it, it desalinates. I thought the thing where I had water in my mouth, I spit it into your mouth, you spit it into his mouth, and Jake, you spit it back into my mouth. I thought that desalinates it. I thought... Through process of saliva. Process yes, of you sal like salivatoriation. You have to squirt it between your teeth, though, when you do that. So right. You gotta gleek it. Salt filters out. Yeah. And your teeth. Well, you did you the thing where you... off with your fingernail and put it back You in pushed water. it in with your tongue, which is weird, because I didn't do that with... I don't know if that was an actual... So you're saying that we are gonna die of salt poisoning so you can have clean water. I'm waiting for you to die so I can eat your your juicy duck meat that's what i'm waiting for <laughs> just like <laughs> just roasting in the sun <laughs> i do have a big duck, my scaly duck feet booty oh you do have you, a big Andrew, duck booty you know yeah. dan's booty i feel like every time we i feel like they just come to me like a possible other podcast names that could have been like dan's booty i would have listened to that d booty d booty do you ever, that new episode <laughs> of d booty was tight dude, dude. it was a tight There used to be a sense of community growing up. I feel like when you grow up, you think that there's more of like a neighborhood feel than there actually is when you get older. Like when I grew up, there was block parties and we'd have that every summer and there was more yep. camaraderie between like we would go out in the streets and we'd play uh, manhunt or man. Yep. That's what it's called. Yeah. Yep. And I just I felt like the world is more alive back then. Yep. Um, there's no block totally parties agree. anymore. Nope. I don't see kids playing like that anymore. No and when I do, do I'm, I. I'm honestly surprised. I don't know if it's my neighborhood, but there's no one's outside. Yeah. No one's really playing. I don't know why. I just I feel like it's totally changed. It has. I don't know if it's the digital age. I don't know if it's Netflix streaming. <laughs> it's mm, like, why sure. would I go outside yeah. when right. Umbrella Academy just dropped? I yeah, I think that's a big part of it. You think so? I because it's something that there I are iPads like on like a toddler's chew toy now. Mm. In fact, a toddler's to chew toy is an iPad. The case for it, though, like the protective case. It's just like <laughs> like they're just exposed to this so young that it has access. To Why go outside when you can look at a 1080i picture of the outside that sees better than your eyes? I mean, looks better than what your eyes can see. That's amazing. In our culture, you think something would. I'm reading this really good book now. Um, I can't think of the name of it, but it's it's actually upstairs. It's, oh, it's called uh, The Shallows, and it's basically saying how our our brains have been 
our brains are malleable and they have been reshaped to become less attentive. We want instant gratification more and we're constantly attached to our phones. I mean, this is nothing new, right. but it's within our culture. Nothing is pushing back against that. There's nothing that's stagnating the, the digital age to further this. Like, I don't know why parents. I have seen a couple very courageous ice cream men who are trying to bring children back outside. You think that's those are the white knights of the digital age that'll bring us back to yes. this or herald this? I don't think there's any going back. I think that maybe we can mesh the two worlds together somehow. iPads on ice cream trucks. <laughs> <laughs> but what makes you think what's how much further? Okay, so the ice cream truck comes, right? The kids are excited to go outside. They get the ice cream. But now they're in the outside world, which is perilous and dangerous. They're going to run right back inside with their ice cream, right? Yeah, I mean, what's gonna, what incentivizes them to stay outside? Nets. <laughs> nets. <laughs> the ice cream truck guy with a net. Oh, I got you guys down here now. And then he, what, he reels them in and he's like, you're going to play outside. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's ingenious. He provides blocks. You've been thinking about this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And have you have you talked to any ice cream men about this yet? Have you I cannot agree nor disagree. Sure. Right. Confirm or deny, gotcha. Right. Yeah. That's that's in G I, I would the next town meeting, bring it up. Definitely, if you haven't. You can't bring up black operative missions oh, in town meetings. I didn't know this was sanctioned by the US government or technically it's not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kinda of worried that Dan might be an ice cream man pedophile. But <laughs> where is that fine line between ice cream man and net carrying or pedophile and net carrying ice cream man? You know, it's such a fine line. I don't. We're on a mission mission for the for the greater good. When the cops come, he's like, I'm just trying to keep them outside and off their iPads. <laughs> I don't know how long that'll hold up in court. Maybe they have puppies and ice cream. <laughs> I feel like if we were the presiding council. We were the judges in that court. We'd be like, oh, yeah, throw him another net. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Get that kid outside. We agree with you. <laughs> Millennials. Can I have your phone, please? So, you uh, lost all phone privileges. No. You lost phone privileges to the end. Put it, fine. Put it over there. Don't. Put him in the timeout chair. There's there's no, we fit a chair on the raft? Where did we fit the chair? You guys fit a chair on here, too? Dude, there's a chair right there. Go you go behind the DJ turntable and you wait there until we want you. There we go. Good. Don't look at us. Look away. See if you can find Jeff. Try to catch a seagull or something. Yep. Good job. Today's story is called A Small Town in Northern Ohio by Stephen Basacha. Stephen is a baseball and basketball fan from Derby, Connecticut. He is currently working on a short film titled Acts of Contrition, which will be available on our Facebook page and his Facebook page, which we will provide to you people in due time. The story synopsis today is written in a stream of consciousness style. We are led through multiple lives of an eclectic group of individuals through a small town in America. In an almost ethereal style, the author weaves his tale, leaving its reader feeling wistful for something more and thankful for what we already have. Today's readers will be all three of us, the lovely Mr. Dan Palmer, Jacob Bransky, and myself, Andrew Brunig. A Small Town in Northern Ohio by Stephen Basacha. This is a small town in Northern Ohio. It's November. Over the pine trees and the foliating beech trees rises the sun, welcoming all of his organisms below him to a brand new day. He's slow to get going himself after a long night's rest. His rays meander their way to earth, in no rush to warm everyone up. But that's okay, because the people of the small town in northern Ohio are in no rush to get going with their lives either. It is a Monday after all. 
A chipmunk-faced teen named Jack just got his wisdom teeth removed and is walking home from the oral surgeon downtown. The considerable breeze aggravates him and makes him nervous. A hypochondriac if there ever was one. Jack is afraid that the breeze will travel through his mouth and into his socket and give him dry socket. He's not sure if that's how dry socket works though and begins Googling about it on his iPhone. He anxiously scrolls and does his best to breathe through his nose as a precaution. As leaves swirl around his mismatched Converse sneakers and modestly priced sedans leisurely drive past him. To his right is a graveyard, home to many of the town's previous generations, and to his left is a drugstore. Inside the drugstore is the short but powerful Gus, who's buying a 500 capsule bottle of store brand Tylenol to counteract the excruciating headache he's developed. He might have a concussion, but he doesn't believe in doctors. A new employee at his pizzeria recklessly opened the pizza oven and hit Gus about half an hour earlier. Gus promptly fired him. And now Tony's sitting at his sparse home devastated. He's sobbing uncontrollably. He wanted nothing more than to work at Apollo Pizza since he was a kid and his parents took him there. Since then, he had been eating a calzone from there every Friday. And as soon as he turned 16, Gus promised him a job. Unfortunately, Gus was as quick to take away the employment as he was to give it. Tony is now existentially lost with nowhere to house his life's meaning. On Tony's 16-inch TV is News Channel 7, a local station reporting a live hostage situation at a home just a few blocks from him. Inside the home is an angry dad named Hogarth, a wife named Beatrice, and an adopted nine-year-old named Cindy. The dispute is concerning Beatrice's lack of faith in her and Hogarth being able to continue providing for Cindy financially. She suggested that they look for a foster home for her. Hogarth responded to this poorly and violently. Eventually, a gun found its way into the equation, held by Hogarth at one point, but now in the hands of Beatrice. Cindy looks on helplessly. As is often the case with domestic disputes like this, the real reason for arguing was deeper and unspoken. Hogarth and Beatrice began to loathe each other for their drastic differences in parenting, but Cindy has no way of understanding that. Outside the chain-link fence of their home are eight police officers, three police cars, and two snipers aiming their rifles through the dirty windows of the home. One of the snipers, Ken, tells his partner Wanda that he really needs to take a piss. Yeah, tough luck. Duty calls. Wanda responds. Wanda was the first female officer the town has seen. Quips like this from her male counterparts made her feel like she was one of the boys and wasn't talked down upon or treated lesser than, which made her feel good. But with it came insecurity about her own attractiveness. She wished there was at least one man on the force who felt too self-conscious around her to report their bodily functions to her. Down the road are three onlookers, Robert, Eric, and Ty Ray, all walking home from their basketball practice after school. Their quaint town isn't accustomed to such dramatic events. Eric worriedly asked if that's Dante's girl's house, and Robert assures that Delilah used to live there, but moved down the road a few years ago. Ty Ray wants to walk closer to it. Robert and Eric don't, mostly out of not wanting to walk any more than they needed to. Coach Salazar made them do what's simply known to them as stairs, where they run up and down a flight of stairs for 20 minutes at the end of practice. Ty Ray doesn't see the fun in exploring the situation on his own and continues home with them. By the time Ty Ray gets home, though, he discovers his own domestic nightmare. His father, Demetrius, is completely naked, making love to his sex doll Woo! on the recliner in the living room. A man of devout faith, Demetrius had been taking Tyree to town's Protestant church from the moment he was born, and every day of Tyree's life since, his father instilled wholesome Christian values and a crippling fear of God's wrath. Tyree remembers quite vividly the time his father brutally scolded him for finding a promiscuous search history on the family computer. Overwhelming shame enveloped Tyree in that moment, and ever since, he's been hesitant to act on any sexual impulse, making his high school experiences with girls
calls Madden and Lee platonic. And now, the same man who embedded that sexual confusion is shamelessly humping a plastic toy. Meanwhile, Coach Salazar is stuck in traffic on the highway. He has that comical kind of rage where his anger is embarrassingly avoidable. The highway traffic is crawling, no less than five miles an hour, and Coach Salazar feels the need to belt out an elongated honk at the car in front of him, as if it could move any faster with the traffic in front of it. He exclaims, Dios mio, among many more expletives, flailing his arms about and gesturing at anything and everything. The whole world encompassing his Honda Civic is out to get him. Boy, who stuck a bee up his bonnet? remarks Toby, the driver of the Prius in the lane to the left of him. Jimmy, his boyfriend of six months, turns from the playlist he was choosing in the passenger seat to admire the spectacle Coach Salazar is presenting. The two laugh and recall the embarrassing moment when Jimmy's mother had a similar meltdown behind the wheel the day that Toby met her. They were on their way to an aquarium. Jimmy finally gets around to putting on the Higher Brothers, a Chinese hip-hop group, and they sit in silent observance of the trap beats and foreign bars, patiently waiting out the traffic hole. <laughs> Below the highway underneath the bridge is Norman, a man who recently became homeless by choice. He was a peanut vendor at the Cleveland Indians games, and he loved the life of shouting about peanuts and throwing peanuts at fans, getting free peanuts, and watching baseball, of course. But peculiarly, it took him until the age of 62. 36 years into his career in the peanut vending business to come to the epiphany that life is about more than peanuts. With no friends or family to help him discover what else life has to offer specifically, he simply left, hoping to find it on his own. He planned to continue searching and traveling eastward until he reaches the Cooperstown Hall of Fame in New York. For the time being, he's eating a McDouble in the musty underpass and browsing through his binder of a lifelong collection of baseball cards that he keeps in his backpack. Driving by him in a dirty, dented BMW is Nick Swisher. Nick was a former MLB player that had developed an addiction to crystal meth after attending a party and no business attending the year after his retirement. He pulls over a block away from Norman and snorts his newly scored teeth, exposing his stained teeth to himself through the rearview mirror on the exhale. Past his BMW and over the horizon of pine trees and beech trees that extend beyond the highway to his left is the sun, now on the other end of the horizon preparing to set. He's a real show-off this evening, causing the purples, the oranges, the yellows, the reds, and the pinks all to stylishly melt into each other accentuated by cirrostratus clouds that embroider it all. The sun seems to feel the people below him are deserving of such a sight after a day like today. He starts to slink away behind the trees, causing the colors to all dissolve and give away to a dark blue and then black. And oh hey, Jeff's back. Hey bud, you missed the story. Good timing as always. Jeff, dude, what? you look a little bit lighter. Arm? Are you missing a leg? Oh, it's <laughs> a real bummer. Keep that not on the. We just cleaned the raft, bud. Yeah, please, right. come on. You need a tourniquet or something? I don't. Jeff, no. Do you know how to do that, Jake? Just to. That's just where you cut the rest of it off, right? You tourniquet. Yeah, the rest yeah, of yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, slice it off. Like we a, just don't have anything to cut it with. Is, don't we have a shark beneath us? Where's the shark, Jeff? Yeah, get the shark, Jeff. Oh, we passed out. Can you die if you're passed out underwater? I mean, yeah. 
We'll just give him a minute. I don't know. I yeah, don't want yeah, to bother. No, he's got this. He's all right. Well, Jeff, uh, not Jeff. Jeff, you, just, you didn't do anything. <laughs> you just, you're just floating there. You lazy bones. Steven, thank you so much for submitting the story. We really appreciate it. We will send you a thank you card via the same seagull. Can you catch it again? What's the name of the seagull? Uh, Reggie. Reggie? Yeah. If you can get him down there, he probably knows how to get back. Also, if you could send a rescue helicopter or something, the Coast Guard, that'd also be great. But thank you so much for submitting the story. I loved it. I think it was, it was this weird sort of mixture of a, a microcosm within a community and it's it's almost like a, a game of tag where you go from one person to the next to the next and you kind of see a little it was almost like a giant painting yeah that's a really good analogy you know that is really good and yeah. i feel like there was a visceral emotionality within each person like each person had two or three lines and i feel like like all of that just kind of came out through yeah. the words which is really good and i, I could kind of see that in my mind just each person through their emotion, you know. It's like a snapshot of life. Right. That'd actually be really cool if you had like a picture of that and you could just see like the cop on, you know, with the sniper and then the guy on the road. That was really cool. I personally think that a story like this helps open up dialogue to engage more with people, especially now in today's digital age. I do feel it's important to experience things with other people. And even though we're connected globally now through Facebook and FaceTime and we can talk to somebody in China in 0.2 seconds or whatever, I feel like even at the local level, we can just learn a little bit more about ourselves. I don't know if I'm getting too sappy there. I agree. So I feel like the digital age uh, has kind of diluted local community in a way because you can talk to somebody in Russia. Russia in in a millisecond you know you have your span you know you're focused on like what like I could talk to this person when like really you could talk to your neighbor and have it more meaningful that's amazing when's the last time you know I I haven't talked to my neighbor in God knows how long and I feel like I used to when I was 13 I would skateboard with the kids down the street and that was you really felt that you look down the street Mm -hmm. and you were a part of the street right trying to do kickflips and you know passing by pretty girls thinking we're impressing them and stuff like that right I I do think that's a, a big part of it Yep. And now people can look at pretty girls from Russia. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. I guess, why do you need the street? Why do you need the window, right? <laughs> yeah. You can literally right. meet anybody you want. Yeah. At the push of a literal button. <laughs> yeah. So thank I you, mean, Steve. That's how Trump got his wife. That is, is that, is that for fact? <laughs> what website did he use? Because I would love to peruse that website. Um, I think it was Slovenians.com. Uh, mail order bride. <laughs> I said Braille order mine. <laughs> <laughs> They're all blind. I need, <laughs> I only read through Braille. I'm a Braille order mine. Please, I have no idea what I am. <laughs> Just blind, amorphous. Is this Braille in English? <laughs> you know I don't speak. English. <laughs> Except for right now, which I am. But anyways, thank you so much for tuning into a Tale Time podcast. 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 We actively encourage all listeners or friends of listeners to submit their own personal stories and not just writers either. What do we accept? Jake this week. Uh snippets of your uh All right, too life. slow. Dan, what do we accept? Divorce hearings uh-huh. and uh, lawyer subpoenas <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, your your uh, journal entries from sixth grade. Directions on the shampoo bottle. Right. And um, apparently now triple X rated fantasy novels, erotica. Yep. Tune in next week. That may be something we read down the line. While we accept poems, short stories, screenplay synopses, novel excerpts, we also love to get personal anecdotes. Uh, send those in. Please submit stories to tailtimepodcast at gmail.com. And if you happen to prefer reading your own piece on the podcast yourself, please let us know and we'd be happy to read.